Chapter 11 of Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 11 The Halloween Dance. Saturday dawned as inauspiciously as any other day in the week, but to the high school boys and girls of the little city of Sanford it was a day set apart. Aside from commencement, the great event of their high school year was about to take place. As early as eight o'clock that morning, the decorating committee of Western High School was up and labouring manfully at the task of turning Weston's big gymnasium into a veritable bower of beauty, which should, in due season, draw forth plenty of admiring O's and R's from their gentle guests. For three days the committee had been borrowing, with lavish promises of safe return, as many cushions, draperies, chairs, divans, and various other articles calculated to fitly adorn the ballroom as their families and friends confidingly allowed them to carry off. Their progress along this line had been painstakingly watched by numerous pairs of sharp young eyes, and the report had gone forth among the girls that this particular Halloween party was going to be the nicest dance the boys had ever given. To Marjorie Dean, however, the event promised more than the usual interest. It was to be her first opportunity of entering into the social life of the boys and girls of Sanford. In B she had numbered many staunch friends among the young men of Lafayette High School, but she had lived in Sanford for what seemed to her a very long time and had not met a single western boy. Jerry had promised to introduce Marjorie to her brother and to the tall fair-haired youth known as the Crane, but so far the young people had not been thrown together. Marjorie had no silly sentimental ideas in her curly brown head about boys. From early childhood she had been allowed to play with them. She was fond of their games and had always evinced far more interest in marbles, tops and even baseball than she had in dolls. Still, at sixteen, she was not a hoyden nor a tomboy, but a merry, light-hearted girl with a strong, healthy body and a feeling of comradeship toward boys in general which was to carry her far in her later life. At the time she had given Constance the blue gown, she had also gained her friend's rather reluctant consent to come to dinner at the Dean's on the great night and dress with her for the dance. Marjorie attributed Constance's hesitation to shyness. Always reticent regarding her home life, Constance, aside from her one outburst relating to her family on the day when she had advised Marjorie against her friendship, had said little or nothing further of her home. So Marjorie did not know that it was not a matter of shyness but rather a question of who would keep house and get the supper while she was out enjoying herself that caused Constance to demur before accepting the invitation. Then she remembered that Halloween came on Saturday 
and decided that she could manage after all. The momentous Saturday dawned clear and gold, with just the suspicion of a full tang to the air. It was a busy day for the Western boys, and when at four o'clock the last garland of green had been twined about the gymnasium posts and the gallery railing, while the last flag had been painstakingly hung at the proper angle, the dozen or more of young men who formed the decorating committee viewed their work with boyish pride. "'It looks bully!' shouted an enthusiastic freshman with a sweep of his arm which was intended to include the whole room. "'If the girls aren't suited with this, they won't be invited over here again in a hurry.' "'Hear him rave!' sadly commented a sophomore. It takes a freshman to fall all over himself. That's because we are young and have more enthusiasm, retorted the freshman, his freckled face alive with an impish grin. Desist from your squabbles and join in the waltz, carolled an extremely tall, thin youth, pirouetting on his toes, and waving a long trail of ground pine about his head in true premier danseuse fashion. "'Desist from your squabbles and join in the waltz,' carolled an extremely tall, thin youth, pirouetting on his toes and waving a long trail of ground pine about his head, in true premier danseuse fashion. There was a shout of laughter from the boys at this burst of Terpsichorean art. The tall youth pranced and whirled the length of the gymnasium and back, ending his performance with a swift high kick and a bow that bade fair to dislocate his spine. "'Did I hear someone laugh?' he asked severely, drawing down his face with such an indescribably funny expression that the laughter broke forth afresh. "'It is evident that you don't appreciate my rare ability as a dancer.' "'You mean as a grasshopper?' jeered the freckle-faced youth. "'Exactly. No, I don't either. How dare you insult me?' He made a lengthy lunge toward the freshman, who promptly dodged behind a tall, good-looking young man who had at that moment joined the group. The lunging youth brought up short with, "'Hello, Hal. I thought you had gone.' "'So I had.' "'Got halfway home and found I'd left my pocket-knife here. "'Maybe I didn't hot-foot it back, though. "'Hope the girls will like the look of things.' "'He cast approving eyes about the transformed gymnasium. "'Jerry's been raving to me ever since school began "'about her new friend, Marjorie Dean. "'Have you met her? "'I understand she is coming tonight. "'Not I. "'I can't tell one of those girls from another,' "'grumbled the crane.' You know just how much I like girls. I don't mind helping get ready for this business, but I'd rather take a licking than come back here tonight. You'll see me vanishing around the corner and out of here at the very first chance. Girls are an awful nuisance anyway. Nothing like true chivalry, murmured the freckle-faced freshman. An instant later he was sprinting down the gymnasium as fast as his short legs could carry him the crane in hot pursuit. "'Cut it out, fellows,' laughed Harold Macy. "'You'll upset something or other, and then look out. "'If we do, it will be the crane's fault,' 
came plaintively from the freckle-faced freshman as he dodged his pursuer with an agility born of long practice. I don't see why he wants to chase me. I merely made a simple remark. Now that you've owned up to it being simple, I'll let you off this time, declared the crane magnanimously. But see that it doesn't happen again. I will, was the glib promise. I'm sorry I said you were a grasshopper. You look more like a giraffe. Then he made a hurried exit through a nearby side door, leaving the crane to vow dire vengeance the next time he ventured within reach. A little further loitering and the group of boys broke up and, leaving the gymnasium, went home to get ready for the evening's fun and be back in good season to help receive their guests. There were two guests, however, who dressed for the party with entirely different emotions. To Constance it was the most wonderful night of her life. She stole frequent half-startled glances at her blue satin-shod feet and even pinched a fold of her chiffon gown between her fingers to feel if it were real. Mrs. Dean had arranged the girl's fair curling hair in precisely the same fashion that Mary Raymond wore hers, and when she had been hooked into the precious gown, with its exquisite little sprays of rosebuds, she thought she knew just how poor, lowly Cinderella felt when the fairy godmother touched her with her wand. While she was being dressed, she said little, Yet Marjorie and her mother knew by the happy light that crowded the wistful look quite out of her expressive eyes that their guest was too deeply appreciative for words. Marjorie, who looked radiantly pretty in her frock of pink silk with its overdress of delicate pink net, welcomed the dance with all the enthusiasm of one who was heartily glad to get in touch with the social side of her school life. She had forgotten for the moment that certain girls in the freshman class had turned against her. That she was no longer a member of the freshman basketball team. She remembered only that it seemed ages ago she had attended a party and she hoped fervently that someone would ask her to dance. Jerry and Irma had arranged to call for Marjorie and Constance as the quartet were to use the Macy's limousine. When the automobile stopped before the house, Jerry insisted on getting out and running into the house to see her friend's gowns. Irma followed her, a smile of good-natured tolerance on her placid face. "'Jerry couldn't wait to see your dresses,' she said, then exclaimed in wonder. "'How lovely you look, Constance, and what a perfectly sweet gown!' Constance coloured to the tips of her small ears. Jerry, too, began voicing loud approval, and, when after having stood in line and been inspected by Mrs. Dean, the four girls piled into the limousine, Constance was overcome with the peculiar sensation of experiencing too much happiness. She felt that it could not possibly last. The gymnasium was fairly well filled when they entered, and by half-past eight o'clock the majority of the guests had arrived. Hardly had they deposited their scarfs in the dressing room and administered last judicious pats to straying fluffy locks of hair when Jerry, 
who had disappeared the moment they reached the dressing-room, came hurrying back with the information that Hal was waiting outside to do the honours. "'You'd better hurry out and console the crane, Irma,' she added slyly. "'He looks about ten feet tall in his evening clothes and perfectly miserable.' Following in Jerry's wake, Marjorie stepped into the gaily decorated room and the next instant was shaking hands with handsome Hal Macy, the most popular fellow in Western High. As the brown eyes met the frank manly gaze of the grey, there passed between the two young people a vivid flash of liking and comradeship that was later to develop into a staunch and beautiful friendship. "'I'm so glad to know you,' said Marjorie earnestly. "'I am very fond of your sister.' "'I'm sure we shall be friends,' declared Hal Macy. "'Involuntarily he put out his hand. "'Marjorie's hand met it, "'and thus began the friendship between Marjorie Dean and Hal Macy. "'End of chapter 11 Recording by Ashley Jane.'